Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast and please rate the podcast. Coming up, Couch Potato, Jeff Braun. We're going to talk about a couple new movies and a movie that might be coming based on an old cheesy TV show. Sherry Versluis from The Preferred Perch. We'll talk to her about feeding bread to birds. Apparently it's a no-no. Who knew? Taz Stewart from Poulin's Pest Control. Make sure you put on the repellent out there. Even though there aren't a lot of bugs, it is a dangerous time of year. And Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling on the loss of a pet. Now the podcast. We should be working this weekend, Robin. I I promised my wife and daughter I'd take them away this weekend. All hands on deck. You won't be coming to the cottage. Well, it can't be helped. Your life is happening now, right in front of you. What to do, what to do, what to do. What to do indeed. Who? Christopher Robin. That is from the new movie Christopher Robin in theaters today. And one of the couch potatoes, Jeff Braun, is here now to talk with us about it. So this uh, is kind of a combination of uh, animation and live action, I guess, eh? Yeah, it's uh, like Ewan McGregor plays Christopher Robin, which is Winnie the Pooh's human friend. And so he plays him all grown up, and then uh, he has a... Personal life crisis, and then he's revisited by Winnie the Pooh, who is animated. It looks like a like a come to life teddy bear, like the movie Ted. Ah, okay, so like yeah. Now, are there other characters or just Winnie? No, there's others. There's, oh, uh, like Eeyore is the Eeyore, that's the horse or whatever, right? Donkey, donkey. Uh, and there's I don't know. I can't keep Tigger these straight. <laughs> and Piglet. Yes. Oh, Piglet. I like Piglet. And yeah. I don't. I don't know if Rue's in it or not. Oh, and uh, Brad Garrett is the voice of Eeyore. Yes, Brad Garrett was one of my first interviews in Winnipeg. I came to Winnipeg in '89. And he was rolling through town doing a stand-up thing, and he was one of my first interviews, and I've always sort of had a soft spot for him. And I heard a clip of him talking about this and saying that he has always kind of enjoyed playing those downtrodden characters. He's good at it. He's got a natural disposition for it, and of course Mm -hmm. his voice is the big thing, right? Yeah. All right, so it's new in theaters now, and then what's new tomorrow? Uh, A movie called The Spy Who Dumped Me, starring Mila Kunis, and uh, I'm forgetting her name now from Saturday Night Live. Um, Oh, yes. Um, The funny one. She was in Ghostbusters. They're all funny, aren't they? Yeah, (laughs) but like the real, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon, yes. I don't even, you know, I can't remember any names from the people on Saturday Night Live. I, I know. Just, I can't. It's I go, hard. oh, that one. Yeah. I yeah. see them. In... Until they reach, like, Will Ferrell status. Well, yeah. It's hard to. And then it's it's yeah. legendary. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, also, I wanted to tell you, you're not going to believe this. They have decided they are going to make a movie out of this cheesy TV show from the 70s. Yes, they have decided Hollywood, in its infinite wisdom, has decided that Fantasy Island would make a good move. That is a, it's a, I don't even know what, what are their, I don't know what their plans are. It's a bad move. All right. I'm saying it's a bad move. Here's the story. The delightfully cheesy 1970s TV classic Fantasy Island is set to become a feature-length movie backed by a major production company. Entertainment firms Bloomhouse and Sony Pictures are teaming up on a reboot of the show, which centers on the mysterious Mr. Rourke and his little person sidekick Tattoo, who were wealthy guests on the island to live out their wildest dreams. Yeah, no. 
Not a good thing. I remember. No. I know I watched that show. I have no recollection of it, though. Like, of all the shows to, oh, just ridiculous. Well, this is interesting. The quirky ABC. <laughs> the quirky ABC series was the brainchild of Beverly Hills 90210 creator Aaron Spelling back in the day. Yeah, I believe that. Who once admitted the show's original pitch was just a joke. It was a <laughs> joke, and they went for it. I feel like. Spelling and what's the other guy? Donald Belisario or whatever, because he he made uh, Magnum PI. And it, those two guys made like eighty percent of TV in the eighties and early nineties. I think. Yeah, nineteen seventy seven to eighty four. That's yeah. when it ran on TV, uh, featuring corny opening credits in which tattoo hollers the plane, the plane, boss, the plane, the plane. Like, but, why is that a catchphrase? That's ridiculous. I don't know. If you think about that, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But the show also tackled dark themes about nature, witchcraft, and the supernatural. <laughs> Ricardo Montalban and Hervé Velashev, of course, the stars of the show. A projected release date for the Fantasy Island film has not been announced yeah. yet. Yeah, I wonder. It might, that might not ever happen. Come now, on. here is my bottom line question here. Yep. Jeff Braun, one of the couch potatoes, entertainment guru. Yep. When is this going to stop? When is Hollywood going to stop taking this crap and rebooting it? If they think they can cash in just, oh, people know those words put together. Some of them are dumb enough to buy tickets based on that. That's the only reason. Like, uh, you remember Charlie's Angels, the movies? Yeah. They're pretty good. They're fun and exciting. They were big hits. That's true. That didn't need to be called Charlie's Angels. Yeah. You could have called that anything else and made the exact same movie. But would it have been the same hit if they had called it something else? No, that's why they do it. It's a... The IP, the intellectual property. It's a strong brand. Take. It's a strong brand. And they figure, you know what? Young people won't even know it. They'll check it out. And that's why they can change whatever they want. But moms and dads and even grandparents oh, yeah. will go and I look used to it. watch it. Let's go see that. Yeah. Now, I mean, Mission Impossible, they did it right. Like, that has almost nothing to do with the TV show, but yeah. the movies work. Right. Uh, there was, I just, I watched it this year. It came out in 2006. Miami Vice, the movie, with yeah. Colin Farrell yeah. and Jamie Foxx. That was nothing like the TV show, even no. though the same guy made it. Yeah. That was a good movie. They mm-hmm. just shouldn't have called it Miami Vice. They should have changed their names and just yeah. called it anything else. So we agree. These uh, reboots, horrible, stop it, don't do it anymore. Are there any TV shows or even old movies that you think would make a good reboot. I would go watch a love boat movie. <laughs> you would? Yeah. Really? I like boat movies. It'd be kind of <laughs> like boat movies. Isn't that a rap song? Oh no, it's not. I don't think it is. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, at least there were some interesting characters on that show. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot. It's hard to tell. It depends. It totally depends on what kind of a movie they make because yeah. they did a Dukes of Hazard, uh, but that they just made it into a stupid comedy. Well, the only same reason... with the Brady Bunch. They, that was like yeah. mocking the Brady Bunch basically. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, you get like this Miami Vice, which is this super serious cop movie. So yeah. it depends which way they go with it. If you if yeah. you you could end up with a good movie, you probably won't. Dukes of Hazard. The only reason that worked is because. Jessica Simpson was Daisy Duke. <laughs> that is the only reason that movie even made a buck. But come on. Find a movie that doesn't have one. They're, they all have pretty people in the men and women alike. Yeah, she, I, was, that's, she was very pretty at that time. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jeff Braun, thank you, sir. Couch yeah. Potatoes. Of course, you can get the podcast at cjob.com, Google Play, iTunes, and you hear them here on CJOB every weekend. Saturday is at noon, Sundays. At 6 p.m., and I guess the question then, Jeff, is are there any shows, any TV shows, any movies even, 
that you would like to see them reboot? It's a good question. I don't think Fantasy Island is it. No. Wouldn't be my pick. Thank you, Jeff. Yep. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. Joining us on the phone now is Sherry Versluz. Hello, Sherry. Good afternoon, Hal. How are things at the Preferred Perch? Always sunny and chipper over here, you know. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I kind of have a sad story today, but I'm hoping you can help me. One of the things that my wife and I like doing is uh, going to St. Vitale Duck Pond and feeding bread to some of the geese and ducks and other birds. Wow. Okay, so that's why I wanted to check with you because I saw a shocking story today over a dozen birds found dead in a pond near the Mandalay West area, and the city figures it was probably moldy bread. Yes. So this is not something we should be doing. No, and you know what? It doesn't matter if it's fresh bread, brown bread, rye bread, moldy bread, healthy bread. No, there's no bread that is suitable for feeding ducks and geese at all. Why? Well, first of all, you don't see bread growing on too many trees out there as a natural food source, first of all. So it is a very abnormal and unnatural food for them. Right. It's very, very hard for them to digest, first of all. So Hmm. sometimes at the parks, you may even see the ducks and geese sitting there with very swollen throats. And that's because they kind of have a sack there where their food digests and the bread expands once they've eaten it. And it's very painful, actually, for them. And they also don't fly at that time, so they're very vulnerable to predators because they can't really fly because they're actually so uncomfortable and so bloated that they can't. Hmm. Nutritionally, bread offers absolutely nothing to them. And actually, they can develop a very serious syndrome from eating too much bread called angel wing syndrome and what that is is the birds are so nutritionally deficient when they've eaten a lot of bread so of course this only happens in suburban areas where they would be finding bread at ponds yeah but what happens is their feathers grow in so improper due to their lack of nutrition that it's very painful they don't grow in in nice even rows And sometimes two feathers are coming out of the same hole, and it's very painful. Mm -hmm. So they end up holding their wings up and out, kind of like how you would picture the wings of an angel on their back. So they hold their wings up. They don't put them down. They can't fly. And it's a very painful uh, thing that they can develop called angel wing syndrome. And that is only found in suburban areas around where people are feeding bread. So the other problem is it um, it causes such digestion problems that the birds end up getting diarrhea, which pollutes the ponds, and often a lot of bread is left behind because sometimes people bring loaves of bread and just throw it all over, and the birds don't eat it all. So then it floats in the pond, it creates bacteria, and if it's moldy bread, mold is very toxic to birds. So it's uh, it's just not a good choice no matter what. Well, now that I feel horrible, I mean the okay. good news is, the good news is we never have time to do it, so we haven't done it that much. I'm glad we haven't done it that much, but we do enjoy doing that. So, can we still go to say St. Vitale Duck Pond or these ponds around town and feed them something? Do you have a product that uh, the preferred perch that would maybe work or just better not to feed them? Well, you definitely can feed them because, you know what, this is the thing. People want to do this. It's a very popular hobby. Families love to do it. They love to go to these ponds with the kids or grandparents with the grandkids. 
So people are going to do this regardless. So the educational thing to do is to research what to eat. And they eat cracked corn is the most popular thing. It is very inexpensive. The ducks and geese absolutely love it. Um, You can even just get a basic wild bird mix. They'll love that as well. But definitely any type of seed is the the main thing. Excuse me. I've had people also think that feeding rice is is another alternative, and that also is not good. So stick to cracked corn or a wild bird mix, and that way you're not going to be endangering them in any way. It's not going to pollute the ponds if it's left behind, and it is a natural food source. Wow, I'm glad I checked with you because I was just concerned about the moldy bread, but now that I know no bread, don't feed them bread at all. I'm really glad uh, that I I checked in with you. Uh, Listen, this has nothing to do with birds, but I'm I have a feeling you might be able to help me, so let me ask. We have a sure. we have a deer, a mama deer, and a baby, or maybe two babies around our place right now. It's not a good idea to feed them either, right? Well, at this time of year, definitely not, because there is so much natural food for them. So I definitely wouldn't uh, consider that. I know there there is a lot of controversy about feeding deer, but a lot of people do in winter. And again, with them, you wouldn't be feeding bread either. You'd find um, a mix of grain like oats or wheat or cracked corn again, that type of thing, mm. or even, again, wild bird seed. But at this time of year, I definitely would not encourage I mean, if we're having really rough winters, it's kind of hard to see them out there struggling like that. Yeah. Well, listen, Sherry, thanks a lot for your help. I really appreciate it. I want you to be very clear right now what you do at the Preferred Perch, because I understand the last time we chatted, people were phoning you with all kinds of requests about getting rid of pests and all kinds of stuff. You're really knowledgeable, and you're kind of my go-to person, but of course, the Preferred Perch is about bird feed, and well, you've got great crystals and stuff, so here you go. 30-second okay. commercial for Sherry Versluis and the Preferred Perch. Okay, so we definitely are a a store that specializes in feeding and attracting wild birds of all kinds year-round. We definitely have lots of home and garden and cottage decor all in the theme of nature. And we have one of the biggest rock and crystal selections in the entire city, and that includes jewelry and things for kids, etc. It's a very unique store. Address, please. We're at 1604 St. Mary's Road in sunny St. Patel. Sherry, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. Thank you, too, Hal. You have a lovely day. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Taz Stewart joins us on the phone now from Poolins. Hello, Taz. Good day, Hal. Have All a right. great day, I hear. Yes. Um, we just heard in the news we have a 10-year-old child, the first uh, victim of West Nile in the province so far this summer. And I was really surprised when I saw you on global television last night saying, yeah, not a lot of bugs, but you need to wear the repellent. Explain why, please. Yes, 100% correct. You need to be aware that these uh, mosquitoes are not nuisance mosquitoes. They're the ones, nuisance mosquitoes, the ones that have a strong bite. You usually feel them. You want to slap them on your arm or your legs. Whereas Culex tarsalis, that primary vector for West Nile virus, she's a sneaky biter. She uh, will bite your ankles and your wrists and you won't even feel it. So if you think there's no insect or premium mosquitoes out there, there are. And the ones that are out there are the dangerous ones. And this weekend is, historically speaking, uh, probably the most uh, common weekend for people to be out. It's always hot. They're out for the long weekend. Weekend. They're in areas where there's active uh, infected mosquitoes, the tarsalis is there, and they're not even realizing they're getting bitten because they think there is no nuisance pressure and they think differently. So you need to change your attitude, wear the repellent this weekend, uh, limit your times when they're most active, you know, the dusk and dawn time periods. And I hate to say this, you know, if you are going to be out, put on lightly colored clothes, long sleeves, long pants. It's not going to be fun when it's plus 30 or even more this weekend, but that's how you're going to protect yourself from getting West Nile this weekend. 
all the stuff we've heard, even though there don't seem to be a lot of bugs in the air right now, the real bad ones are there right now, and that's why it's important that we take all these precautions. Yeah, and those numbers are increasing week over week. Uh, we've seen pretty much a doubling uh, across the province, the southern part of the province, especially not in the northern part, because Tarsalis likes this kind of weather. And lots of people are going, hey, great, two seasons in a row, very few mosquitoes. But for Culex Tarsalis, that is party time for them. And West Nile is no fun. No, uh, the severe neurological form, uh, there's still people back affected from 2007 that I'm aware of, and they're still having symptoms from uh, the, that uh, malady, that illness. Wow. Hey, we had a conversation in the newsroom this morning talking about you on on Global last night. What uh, is good to use now for repellents? Because, I mean, DEET, or at least strong uh, concentrations of DEET, not allowed anymore, is it? Yeah, the maximum uh, percentage allowed by Health Canada, the Pest Management Regulatory Agency, is 30%, and that would give a person about six hours of protection, and that's assuming you're not running around sweating and throwing yourself in the pool or anything you need to reapply. Um, There's concentrations of 20 and 10. Uh, There's non-scented and scented. There's also a a new uh, active called Icaridin here available in Canada now too. It's an alternative to DEET if you happen to be sensitive to it. Uh, Oil of eucalyptus and lemon oil are also registered for repelling mosquitoes and ticks. And all that stuff works or is there some stuff that we can just throw in the garbage can like those citronella candles and stuff like that? Like <laughs> like you, you are the but you are Winnipeg's bug guy. So tell me what works and maybe what doesn't work as well. Okay, in, in your backyard, if there is no wind and you happen to be in a corner and you have a citronella candle around you, yes, that will work. But because we're reasonably windy here that blows away that repellency so do not count on those Um, there's lots of those little personal protectors again they release stuff but if you're in a windy zone that protection is gone so don't hold your breath on being protected uh, that way Um, you look at (laughs) spraying your backyard something we do offer if you want to reduce uh, mosquitoes we can come in spray uh, a permethrin based or a pyrethrin based product on your backyard to reduce mosquitoes in, in there or of course doing your own backyard cleanup may not be a lot of water there, but your hose may be running, may fill up a bird bath, you may fill up a, uh, anything like a slide or anything where mosquitoes can develop in a short period of time because the temperatures over this weekend will be that hot and heavy. Uh, mosquitoes will be out looking for you. The Culex cells will be out looking for you, so that's why it's important. You need to be protect. Personal protection key measures are key. Why do some mosquitoes like some of us more than others? Great question. Um, it depends. Female mosquitoes are picky, just like, uh, you know, females for males here as humans. Um, <laughs> Careful, Taz, you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> I know, I was, I was going to say something about uh, Culex tarsalis. Older females are more dangerous than younger females, too. So, oh, geez, this is live, I forgot. But that That is real, though, for uh, tarsalis. The older the mosquito is, uh, the mosquitoes don't die after one blood meal. They die after two or three, just depends. And the, the third blood meal, and they picked up the virus from the bird population and now are, have the transmissivity, they, you're more at risk at a, as an older female feeds on you. But back to your question there, um, you may not smell good to a, a female mosquito. You, she flies in, she does a landing, says, oh, nope, you're no good. The person beside you just ran around the field, it's got a lot of lactic acid, sweating, heavy breathing. That may be more attractive to her or your clone or your perfume may be more attractive to one female mosquito versus another. And that's, that's just the fun of mosquitoes. Hey, back to the repellents. You mentioned there's a new one, sort of an alternative. Tell me about that one, and and does it work? 
Yeah, uh, a keratin. Yeah, it's uh, provided it's got a nice uh, scent. If you actually want to come in and give it a sniff, <laughs> it smells really good. Uh, and it does give you uh, anywhere from three to six hours based on percentage uh, of repellency. So, yes, it's a nice alternative if you are sensitive to DEET-based products. Interesting. Hey, before I let you go, what other bugs are we dealing with there uh, outside this summer that we're seeing okay. more of? For You know, it's very dry. I just had a farmer on yesterday, a cattle producer up in the Inner Lake, talking about how dry it is. It's been sort of another dry summer like last year what does that mean what are we seeing lots of out there well sadly we're already getting lots of wasps calls they're getting a little more aggressive because everything is drying out their natural food sources are disappearing so lots of patios and you're sitting out there having your burgers your drinks your pops uh they're becoming more uh, aggressive at this and it's a lot earlier you know two or three weeks earlier than normal so i fully expect as we go over this weekend and next week lots and lots more people will be calling saying hey we got got rid of our wasps um cluster flies seem to be uh out there but they're having their own fun and we won't even talk about the fall time because it is only august yet but uh asian lady uh, bird beetle will be starting to look to come into your home again once they get off the crops too and it might be earlier because the crops are coming off sooner taz you are a wealth of knowledge we're lucky to have you thank you sir Carolyn Klassen is here from Connexus Counseling. Hello, Carolyn. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm fine. I'm having a good show, but we're having phone issues. You didn't say, yeah, you said fine like it wasn't fine. Well, it's no big deal, but we're having phone problems, and John the engineer was in here. When the engineer's, and you know what just happened? <laughs> Why does this always happen, Carolyn? You tell me, because maybe you can help me figure this out. Something can be not working properly, and I emailed John. Yeah. And John comes in, and it's the, when I, as soon as I went to show him what it was doing, then it was it working fine. Yeah, that's... Figure that out for me, therapist. <laughs> well, the therapist is going to figure... It's, it's the same thing of no matter what line I'm, I'm in at the grocery store, that's yeah. going to be the longest, slowest line. It's right. sort of, yeah, Murphy's yeah. Law, Just right? The way, Murphy's Law. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I do want to ask you a quick question, not as a professional, but your opinion on this, because we're kind of having fun with smells today. We're talking about smells. Mm-hmm. And one of these young stars in Hollywood says he likes the smell of the subway in New York. He likes the smell of public transportation. So my question today was, <laughs> I, know, I know it's weird. My question today was unpleasant smells that you actually find pleasant, you know, smells that you like but others don't. We've had a whole bunch of them, but so many of them in some way or another go back to a happy time or a happy memory or your childhood, right? Does that make sense to you too? Totally. Yeah. When, as you were talking, I was thinking the smell that I like the most is, and this will sound sort of weird in the same way, is the pollution smell of California. Hmm. Um, it's when you get off the plane in California, yeah. uh, you can smell the pollution. And that was during a time of my life that was during a lot of growth. That was where I studied for my master's degree, met a lot of friends, yeah. discussed a lot of neat ideas, had a lot of great times. And so the hot pollution smell of California is something that brings back good memories. There you go. Yep. There you go. See, so I think that's, I'm on to something. Maybe I need to put a <laughs> shingle above my door and become a... A therapist or, uh, or something. <laughs> We're actually going to talk about therapists today. We're going to talk a bit about what uh, uh, how therapy is different than what people think mm-hmm. it is. We'll get to that. And we're also going to talk about something that we went to the phones and email and text about earlier in the week. Traits of your partner that bother you. But first of all, the loss of a pet. And this comes... From a story, Drex was talking about it last night on the shift here on CGOB. Jeff Courier was talking about this. It's a story, I think, out of Quebec where somebody wanted a day off because their pet died. Mm -hmm. And some people don't get that. And I understand that. They're maybe not animal people. They're not pet people. They, They get that. But as I said to Jeff, 
listen, a pet can be absolutely a member of your family. Jeff was sort of trying to make the comparison to children, right? Well, but who, uh, it, they're not. I understand that they're not. But who am I to judge how important that animal, a member of their family, is to their family, right? Well, what you are just describing actually is the key to empathy, Empathy is not, what would it be like for me to be in your shoes? Right. Empathy is actually, what is it like for you mm. to be in your shoes? Yeah. And I think what this, the pet, is interesting because I actually used this example earlier in a therapy session this week, that that often is one example of when I use empathy is different, the, the death of a pet for some people is absolutely devastating because it is losing in some cases, the only family member that they have. Mm. And for people who grew up on the farm who had cats and dogs coming and going all the time because it's a high-risk environment Mm -hmm. and there's so many animals coming and going, it's really no big deal. And so the challenge for us to have empathy is what does it mean for you in your life given your circumstances and what that pet meant to you? What is that loss like for you? And so the pet lover can understand that the one who has pets come and go, for some it's not that big of a deal Mm -hmm. and the pet lover needs to understand that. Yeah. But then the one who is not that into pets has to understand that it can absolutely be crushing for mm-hmm. somebody who has lost a pet. Yeah. I talked to one boss who said, uh, I didn't get it. The first time I got a call from somebody saying, I can't come in today. My my pet passed away and I'm a mess. Right. right. Didn't understand it. But then when he got a pet, oh, he understood it <laughs> then. Right. Then he's like, well, yeah, of course you need the day off. Right. What we found that um, in the 2016 Census of Canadian Households, for the first time in history, single-person households exceeded any other category of households, more so than couples, couples with kids, you know, mm-hmm. multi-generational. A lot couples. of people living alone. A lot of people living alone. 28% of households in this country are single-person households. Well, a lot of those people, if they have a pet, they spend more time with that pet than any other person at all, mm-hmm. right? Like this is who they wake up to. This is who they, the last little creature that they say goodnight to. And yeah. so those become very important members of their family. And so I think it's important for us to understand. And I think what we have to recognize is that whether or not I understand your grief, I understand what it is like to grieve. Right. And I can appreciate and empathize with your grief. And I think what we need to recognize is that when we dismiss another person's grief because mm-hmm. it is quote unquote only a pet, that we make their grieving harder. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. When we when we tell people that, like when we shame them for their grief, you're not supposed. You're going to be if you tell us tell me about your grief over a pet, you're going to be embarrassed and ashamed. If we give that message to people and people pick up on that signal, mm. then they start they stop talking about it with other people and they don't get the support that they need. Mm. And one of the ways we move through grief is by talking to others and by getting the emotional support of others. And when we feel like we can get support from others, then we will be able to cope much better than if we feel like we have to hide it and pretend it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I live in a world where I'm recognizing when people pretend something doesn't matter, but it really does, it just sort of comes back through the back door and haunts you anyways, right? Mm. It affects you and everybody around you when you're trying to pretend something doesn't matter, and it really does. Yeah. I want to get to helping people get through the loss of an animal, but I'll just tell you our experience a couple of years ago. Well, I had two dogs, Peta and Hershey, and I loved my dogs. What were their and names? Peta okay. and Hershey. Oh, okay. Peta stood for pain in the ass because <laughs> she really was. And yeah, but you loved we it. loved her. Yes. So then when Jackie and I met over 10 years ago now, 
Well, they became our dogs, right? They mm-hmm. were Jackie's dogs. And then when PETA was having seizures and really having a hard time, Jackie was the one that took care of PETA. They bonded in a way that I had never bonded with those dogs. Loved those dogs. They loved me. Yeah. But Jackie bonded. And I I saw PETA and I thought, it's time, right? Uh-huh. And Jackie, no, she didn't want to. And she kept dealing with PETA and dealing with PETA. And when we finally did uh, euthanize PETA, Jackie was heartbroken. I'll tell you what, two years later, she is still not over it, you know? Sure. And and so I, I do have empathy for people that lose their animal, animals because I know how important those animals can be to people. Well, the thing about an animal, if you think about it, is that like sometimes... Sometimes I get home from work first, sometimes my husband does, right? So when the person who's coming home from work second, the person who's who has already home, they greet the person at the door. Mm-hmm. Well, depending what kind of day I have, I can go to the door right away, but sometimes I've had a hard day and I don't run to the door. Sometimes I've, you know, people have cut me off in traffic or somebody's already driven me crazy, and yeah. so when he comes in the door, I'm actually not at my best which is different than a pet because mm-hmm. when you get home, your pet runs to the door. Love you unconditionally. Unconditionally. Yeah. No matter what's happened, right. you are the best part of their day and they are thrilled to see you. And it's beautiful to have yeah. a fan, it is. your own personal, yes. who loves you and is thrilled with you and doesn't have those moments where mm-hmm. humans are human yeah. and they have stuff, right? And yeah. so you don't always... We aren't always a lot of fun to be around, but they <laughs> usually are. Let's face it, right? Yeah. And so there is a safety and a purity to a relationship with a pet that you don't get with a human. And mm-hmm. so for some people, that's a very safe relationship that actually has a profound therapeutic event, effect, I'm sorry. And when you get a therapeutic effect from an animal and there's a closeness and a safety there that you can't get with any other human being because mm-hmm. humans are human, yeah. uh, then that that animal becomes so important. Yeah. So any advice, I mean, gee, listen, it, it's a horrible loss. Any advice for people mourning the loss of a pet? I mean, anything to try and ease the pain or or not? Well, I think the, the important thing is to give yourself permission to grieve that just because your boss or your coworkers might sort of cluck their tongues and kind of wink and kind of chuckle at you, that it doesn't that doesn't minimize your grief, that you can own your grief and you can give yourself permission to have it matter. And once it, you give yourself permission to matter, then you actually give yourself permission to grieve and to move through the grief and to be affected by it. And I think that it's not like people recover from the grief where it doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. It's that it becomes a part of who you are and you become a richer person for having loved that animal and for having lost that animal. It becomes sort of part of how you move through the world is that the loss has become a part of you rather than something that sort of leads ahead and and hijacks your life. And that's a process. And it's a process when you're grieving an animal, just as when you're grieving a human or the loss of a job or the loss of house or whatever it might be that you are losing. Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling.